Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, where we go inside and under the flooring industry. And welcome back for another episode of The Underlay, the Clever Choice flooring podcast. And with me as always is my co-host and GM of Clever Choice flooring, Michael Roberts. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Matt. Running on adrenaline this morning. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to for the last 12 days. Uh, so two Wednesdays ago, took off on a journey to mainland China. Uh, so that was an exciting trip. Uh, Alex, Sean, Cindy and I uh, jumped on a plane and finally, with uh, post-COVID, got to go and see our factories. That must have been, uh, yeah, you've not been able to get there over there for about three years, I would think. Uh, yeah, 2018. So wow, five, five years. Because uh, 2019, we had the, um, the merge or the buyout and then COVID hit and then all the restrictions. So finally, uh, all we had to do was do a um, COVID test, get a pass, get a stamp and we can go. So the restrictions are pretty much lifted. Um, so restrictions in China are all lifted. So, cause it was looking pretty scary there just recently. Yeah. 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 They, um, they had another, sh- uh, lockdown, I think it was only three, four months ago. Yeah. Uh, when that new strain come through. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of business back to normal. So it was good to get out and about, um, visit all the factories, uh, get some plans for new products for second half of 2023. And then 2024, so some real exciting times ahead for Clever Choice. Excellent. And joining us today in the panic room is uh, Bobby Lenz from Flooring Extra up there on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland. How are you, mate? I'm well, mate. How are you? Yeah, we're doing great. It's, uh, mate, thanks so much for joining us today. Looking forward to hearing a little bit about you and about your business. Yeah, no problems, mate. I was um, pretty pumped to get the call up and get the jersey today. It's a big thing. It's It's like... Kevy Walters has, has brought out the, the, the jersey. You're making your uh, debut for the Broncos. Uh, Greg yeah, Harvey would be over the moon. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, Broncos he'd be frothing. sitting on top of the ladder. Well, well that's the last time we're going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but that won't be the last time we mention the ladder, though, because where are the West Tigers at the moment, Michael? West Tigers? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, two weeks without footy. The one highlight I saw is the West Tigers cannot even win a scrum. Yeah, they're not great. (laughs) Who in today's game can't even win a scrum? The referee usually calls it back. So the fact that they can't even win a scrum when the ref's on your side just shows why they're zero for four. I'll tell you what I'm sensing. I'm sensing you might be a Dolphin fan now. Oh, Dolphins (laughs) all the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, jump ship. You know, someone's got to jump onto the the new Queensland franchise. Absolutely, Finland. Been up here over eleven years now, so I think it's time. It's time, okay. Uh, yeah. State of origin will never change. Yeah. Will always bleed nah. blue. But uh, I think, yeah, getting a uh, bit of pain there. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely, it's time. I think that uh, I pull on a Dolphins jersey. Well, mate, no one would think any less of you. A loyal Tigers fan for far too long. <laughs> Uh, it's been, um, what, 40-odd years yeah. of pain. Oh, absolute pain. Uh, we've had one year. One of, highlight. One highlight. Yeah. Uh, 2005, and I'll have to live. You that's know. fine. You can have that. Yeah. That's that's good. Uh, look, a little bit about Bobby, mate. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and, and, and what you do and and how you've managed to 
sort of squirm into the panic room with us today? Um, yeah, so my wife and I uh, have the Sunshine Coast Flooring Extra franchise. Um, we moved down from Gladstone. We had Gladstone originally, which we actually started as an independent group in 2010. Myself and just it was just us two working from home. We didn't even have a shed or a showroom. Um, went really well, and we actually got bought out by a local businessman. And in part of that deal was if we could um, turn it into a brand, which we wanted to do a few years early. And I've always was always appealed to Flooring Extra, um, but I just couldn't get a gig at that time because they had a, another person in the town that um, could take it first. So that all happened. We transpired that. In 2017, turned it in Gladstone Flooring Extra, and it really allowed me to, you know, put my spin on what I thought a good retail shop was. And and then I saw that's the year I got off the tools and my floor layer by trade, and um, it went well. And I spent my two and a half years there, as the contract said. And then the plan was to move down here and, and take over this franchise as as the director, and and that's what we did. And that was 2019, and the rest is history, as they say. So you're saying you're a floor layer by trade? Yes. So how many years in the business you got? This year will be my 25th year. So 1998, I first started as a labourer for Trevor Hall, actually. Trevor Trevor is um, the new owner of Gladstone Flooring Extra. He was my first tradesman. And, um, yeah, started my apprenticeship, finished in 2002, and then started contracting. So I'm not good working for other people, as you can see. I always got to work. <laughs> Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mind that. I think that no, me you know, some people, some people uh, can do it. And some people are just, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. You, I think it's especially yeah, um, when you're a visionary person, um, you know, it's always hard to then sort of take second, second, you know, position. Um, yeah, for sure. And you know, when I first met Bobby up in Gladstone. Um, I had no idea there was a actually owner of the store, you know, because whenever I'd go in and meet Bobby, um, you know, he comes across very um, charismatic and, you know, the way he talks and the vision that he sort of, you know, has and the way the store looked. Um, it wasn't until he moved down uh, to the Sunshine Coast, I actually asked, you know, oh, did you sell the store? He goes, no, that actually wasn't mine. So, you know, mm. He he puts a lot of passion and energy into you know even being an in, in, an employee. Yeah, that um the Gladstone store was <clears throat> was really everything to me. Obviously, it was my wife and I store originally, yeah. but it was no brand, so it's not it's not a recognised. And that's when I realised that um, for long term a saleable business, so they were buying us. Yeah, and I we made it clear from the beginning that you know if we sell, I'll give you a, my best couple of years, and then I want to move on. To my own adventure so and you you sort of can't do it without a brand these days it'd be very difficult to start as a independent and build something massive and um and have a saleable business at the end of it and there's there's the odd exception but and that's what we went with and and it sort of allowed me just to put all my little dreams into um into reality into the showroom and how we position ourselves and me getting off the tools and investing my time into people b2b in the community and things like that and it just sort of blew up and then and then i sort of sat back and went oh well it actually works because back in my head i thought you know these little dreams may not actually ever turn out but yeah they're, they're going really well at the minute and i've got to say like i get around to a lot of stores i'd say nearly every store that is one of our customers i've been in into over the last 10 years and 
one thing that you get when you get in uh, see Bobby stores is they're just they're that level above a lot of other stores. You know the creative um, way that he creates sections, um, the feeling when you go into the store. Uh, you have like a little design center, um, color charts. Uh, he has flooring, you know, running up the wall. So what inspires you to create this space um, that is, I guess, ahead of the game? Yeah, mate, that's a good question. I just, um, to be honest, I just always start with what do I think looks like the best store? Not, not that's just visually as a showroom, that's, you know, how we manage our installers or how we manage our staff. And I just sort of start it, you know, forget about finance, forget about if you can't fund it or whatever, just what would it be if you, if you could have the best store? And that's that's how I always start the blueprint. And um, for me, with the new store in the Sunshine Coast, was a big, for me, it was a big risk because it was the first time we'd been part of a homemaker centre, which obviously cost a lot of money. Yep. And most company stores may do that, but franchise stores, you don't see that overly often. So um, that was the first big risk for me, but <clears throat> it was a nice big square and I just walked in and stood there. Then I walk out and walk back in, stood there. And I just kept doing that and doing that and then I drew it um, on an A3 piece of paper and I spent um, weeks just redrawing it and, and literally measuring every stand and every part of that and, and where it was going to sit and, and how was the customers. I even Googled where customers turned. They turned to the right, turned to the left when they walk in and so you didn't want to be right in their face. I put the reception down to the right so they felt not pressured when they walked in and and had a sort of a view, a tunnel all the way down to the back of the store so nothing was blocking it and, then, and you set it up in all these sections. And um, everyone talks so highly about our store, but it's really basic. It's, it's literally just stands set up in a particular way. Um, and I guess I'm more proud of that because it didn't actually cost – that much money at all yeah being good at something or having that flair isn't that much more expensive than doing it poorly it's no, just no, that planning and creative right well i think yeah definitely well, i think it's i think that the smartest business people take themselves out of the equation so bobby it's not about what you love or what you want or yeah. what you like it's what the customer likes it's what What's going to work for the customer? So you really need to remove yourself from the equation, and and it may not be what you may conceive as maybe being the prettiest or the best looking. Or, but if it's functional, it's what the customers want. Then yeah. you've got to run with it, right? Hundred percent. And that's and it, it, I'm glad you said that because that's the way I think. My wife's very black and white, yeah. so we're the yin and the yang. But um, and we work together. We have always have worked together. Um, but she's the iron fist of our company, and. You know, and I, to be honest, I couldn't never have got to where I am without her. So that's, but she's, but I'm able to remove myself from that position and just go, what would it look like? Like, not me, not what I particularly want. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm an interior designer. Everyone's like, oh, your wife did a great job at the store. And I'm like, come on, come on mate. <laughs> mate, aren't we, aren't we supposed to be like, gender neutral or whatever now like yeah, yeah. that's right just yeah it's quite with- funny because she's she's very um you would think she's the male version she's like i don't care i just want it done 
let's move on. And I'm the one sitting there trying to twist a pot plant to make sure it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is what we're talking about with uh, Madison, that whole gender neutral. Yeah. You know, that it's not the whole, you know, typical female does the design and the colour and the male does the business. You know, here's a prime example of how it completely works in the opposite. So yeah. it's, you know, basically roles reversed. And it's a time I think we live in that people aren't pigeonholed anymore and someone like Bobby can let his creative um, mind out and and design, design a space that people feel comfortable in. But I think yeah. also it's about, especially in a partnership, and I, I, mate, hats off to you. The fact that you live, work with your wife, you must be a special human being. Uh, and, and, I think she's know, a special one. <laughs> no, well, and, and no, this is this is where I'm getting to. I think that in every business, you need to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and you need to know your roles. Mm, I think definitely. that's really important, and I think no more is it more is as important as when it's a husband and wife. Right? 100%. If, if you don't know your lanes, it can get messy pretty quickly because it's personal. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, we wake up together, um, we jump straight on our computers. We're working from five thirty six a.m. Um, get she's getting kids ready for school, the whole work. Then I I leave for measures, etc. Um, today I'm doing a podcast, which is cool. But <clears throat> we go to work, and then it's just work time, and it's yeah. And she she really is the sort of boss because when she throws it down, that's what I'm I'm going to a measure. I'm, I've got this appointment. That's it. So. Um, <laughs> And we're able to, and then oh, we've had plenty of, um, you know, tough times over the years from starting from scratch. Well, when we started, we literally started with no money, and so it was it would have been testy times. And our, our daughter was five months old, and so she was on wow. Chantelle's hip in our study in our bedroom. We're trying to um, start a business, and I did all the measures, and then I'd come home and, and I'd lay a lot of flooring at night, and and she just kept doing all the paperwork and looking after the kids. Um, so she says she hates it, but she keeps turning up. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there must be some sort of passion sort of there, and obviously, some, yeah, you know, a dream for both of you. Yeah, yeah. She well, she can't. If something's this is what I've always said. Um, average people always want to be paid, and good people just want to impress others, and and, and exceptional people just do what's got to be done. Yeah, she's always that. She's always been exceptional. She's just got to be what done. You know, she might mumble and grumble about it sometimes but when she does it she does it perfect yeah. basically every time she can't get it perfect that's when she starts getting frustrated and i'm all like hey strive for perfection but if you don't hit perfection as long as you're striving for it you're going to get a, a really good result be be careful here mate she's going to listen to this right <laughs> yeah <laughs> she probably doesn't want to hear about flooring anymore anyway so yeah exactly yeah. And, and that's an interesting little segue there because it blows me away. Every week it blows me away, the passion that's involved in this industry. And obviously I'm not in the industry. I'm a, I'm external. I'm, I'm involved with Clever Choice from a marketing mm -hmm. perspective. But it, it, it's, in, it's incredible. I don't think I've had any dealings with any industry where the people that I talk to, to a fault, are so passionate about flooring. What is it about flooring? Um, I don't know. It's, it seems once you get in, you don't get out. So um, I, I take it back to – yeah. A bit like that. I take it back to, and we'll probably get into this soon with apprentices and stuff, but mo like me, most and most other tradies that I know are not necessarily academics or did well at school, usually from the wrong side of the tracks, et cetera. So they get, they get an opportunity. And so I got my opportunity when things weren't probably the best 
in my life. So once I got that opportunity, uh, I sort of just grabbed it and that was all I had at the time. And, and um, I feel that, you know, I owe everything to the flooring industry, not, not the other way around. And, and, and then you become a tradesman and then you, you know, you, you get some pride about yourself and, um, and the work you do because it's a finishing trade and it's really good um, to see the end result. But it's the whole, from Michael's position to the end user, is a big task. Like it's a lot involved. It's not just a you know selling sandwiches at the shop. Like it's a it's a long program, um, and to get it right is difficult. And but somehow people just keep turning up and, and doing it. So I've decided to uh, follow that process and individualize that every part of that process and, and try to be the best I can at it. And here I am still 25 years later. So, so, so you spoke about apprentice. Um, yes. I know that's something that, um, you know, knowing you and your store and, and the way you operate, you really put a lot of focus on the installation side of the business. And, yep. you know, a lot of stores out there focus on, on the products and, um, you know, the pretty stuff. Yeah. But I find the stores that are the most successful are the ones that actually focus on the installation. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that's a really good point. So just to touch on my showroom, my showroom had to translate into what how, you know, everyone talks about our showroom, but that's how good our installation had to be. So it had to be hand in hand for starters. And um, But for us, we're an installation company that sells products. That's the way we view ourselves. And we love our relationships with our suppliers like yourselves, but we have to put ourselves first in, in the end user. And I feel that it all, and this is a bit biased being an ex-installer, but I feel everything we do, so you fly into China and we put in showrooms and marketing and everything revolves around just that one point where that floor goes down to Mrs. Jones on that day and her reaction and, and if she's satisfied. And before that, including myself, we're all just somewhat participants of that process. Mm -hmm. So I'm just super focused on that. And then, and I was doing that in Gladstone as a independent, but the funny thing was I couldn't get the people in the door because I had a warehouse sort of showroom. And so then I realized you need to, you know, you can't be just a good installer. You need a good attitude, a good brand, a good showroom, good staff. And then, and I, I actually backtracked it from the installation backwards to the showroom. But right. apprentices, we need to have. I've got two apprentices at the minute, so we've got a fourth year and a first year. And um, at the end of the day, we put them on. And I, I'm trying to get more more shops that put the apprentices on, not necessarily go with the subcontractor because they're learning off one person, yep. and they might learn their, their bad traits, not just their good. So putting them through the shop and the shop takes liability. And so I get them in on a Friday if they're doing, you know, do a bit of warehousing on, on some days. I get them in drawing plans and, and seeing how we operate. And because I, I was a shop apprentice and that I feel that I had that bigger dream and that, that um, you know, wanting to help the company more because yes. I was a part of the business the whole time. And, and I think that's if we can try to get more shops putting on the apprentices and, and going through that process you know, our industry is going to look a lot better in five to 10 years. To totally agree. Um, and coming also from an installation background, um, I feel it's important for our industry as a whole um, that stores like yourself are putting apprentices because there's one thing, I guess, to be a, a qualified labourer 
um, that can lay floors. But I yep. think going through an apprenticeship um, process creates business people, um, yes. business minded. You know, you're putting in the hard yards, you're putting in the four years. You know, it is your apprenticeship to running your own business. Um, yeah. Whereas just someone who can lay floors, mediocre or good, that's all they aspire to do. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's really great to see stores like yourself, you know, bringing up the young generation and not only obviously teaching them to lay floors, but creating, you know, young businessmen um, yeah. that then go into the home and extend your vision into their home, which is really ultimately we're all here to serve the customer and give them the best experience we can, you know, not just well, lay a floor. Oh, 100%. And that's why having them a part of the shop and part of that process during their apprenticeship and part of a team and they see what the team and the shop at that time is trying to um, provide to the customer and they learn those little things. It's sort of a subconscious way of learning. They don't realise it, but they will They will be a better person and um, for the industry in the long term, I believe. Not all installers can transition into this side um, because for whatever reason, I know a couple of really good installers, but their attitude just can't transition into people because you get questioned all the time. Um, you've got to be a bit more lenient with customers. And um, so it is difficult for some installers to transition. And, you know, we obviously don't want them all transitioning, otherwise we won't have no. installers. So, But there's yeah. also a lot of them that continue in that trade and take it to the next level and, you know, start running teams of installers and create their own professional outfit in running their business which yes. is an installation business with multiple teams and then having tradesmen under them, which I guess is what we sort of aspire to have as well, um, that we yeah, keep yeah. those those people in the trade while also having, you know, a certain portion of them transition into running their own stores and then obviously, like yourself, then having multiple um, trades um, apprentices under them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I... I as a small business, and we're predominantly retail, we do a little bit of commercial. Um, we just try to have um, subcontractors just work by themselves or a team of two yep. tops. And um, I do don't mind the idea of having gangs of blokes providing their tradesmen under, and, and there's a head contractor that's running that. Um, a lot of people fail at that because they're trying to make money off labourers doing yep. the profession and i think that's a slippery slope so i always have those conversations we we don't we we won't hire um like um sole traders we we want full company or trust all insurances we have to do background checks because at the end of the day that's our whole business and um they've got our whole business in their hands basically in, on what attitude they got on the day they turn up yeah i think i think that's a frightening thing because yeah, you supply the product, you supply the mm. service, and you're at the you're at the mercy of the installer, right? If they do yeah. a, they do a crappy job, they're not looking at the installer, they're looking at Bobby, right? That's right. And um, we're the ones that get the reviews or the phone calls or um, and, you know, it's a risky business because at the end of the day we're basically taking liability of a product and the installation. We're just the middleman somehow. And it's it's a big process and that's why a lot of people um, if you're not involved with it and that's why i try to be involved with my suppliers a lot like i always give my reps time even though it doesn't matter how busy i am i've heard a lot of shops will kick out their reps it's too busy um i stop and talk to them every single time because without them 
I can't do my job. And then without me knowing that, installer can't do his job. And it's really I'm the link between their, their product and that getting on the floor. So that, that leads me down another path in, um, you know, you said that you really only employ company um, in installation teams. So they got their qualifications, they're, they're a real business. Um, yep. You know, you take the time to speak to reps, you know, all this has a, has a cost of operating your business. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of stores that I speak to, they struggle to compete with the guy down the corner that has the little showroom in the back street, is using unqualified installers, and there's, you know, I guess a, a cost difference. Um, yeah. How do you, you know, in your area, um, and knowing the size of your store, it's quite successful. Mm-hmm. How do you compete with those guys? Like, why, why should someone, you know, when they're looking for flooring, come to you opposed from going to the little guy around the corner? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And, and even for when I first got here um, on the coast and I built this up and I had a lot of success in Gladstone, but, you know, you're born and bred in a town, so some of that just comes to you. So for me, at the beginning, it wasn't really working. I was, I was losing jobs and I was talking to people and they weren't responding like how I, I was used to. And um, I remember... Uh, a couple months in and I said to my wife after work one day and I said, I just don't know what's happening. You know, everything that I usually do is not working. And she just said, no one knows your name here, mate. So, and then I thought, okay, well, if no one knows my name, I'm just going to do what I do and not be always be aware of your competition, but um, not trying to compete with them. Because at the end of the day, I was a completely different business. So I just stayed in my lane and I thought I'm going to push a high-end product Um in a high-end in- install so i literally just rang around and found the best installers by name and i asked and give them, gave them a ring and told them i'll pay them this much and i just jumped the i put the prices up that much for the install other shops rang me about it so what are you doing and i'm just I'm just looking after myself and then bang got the best installers um we did what we did in the showroom and then it just started rolling from there so the little bloke around the corner that's where who i used to be so that's a business model in itself, yep. but it's never installation focused. So they're just getting cheaper in, installers and in, installers that want to work for that. They're usually not the best installers. So, um, and then you got my model and then there's a model in between called the gray area, which is they're trying to be cheap, but they're trying to be a brand and they're trying to, so I'm okay with the little bloke around the corner because they won't be able to scale their business long-term usually um the bloke in the middle that's trying to beat them and compete with me is just frustrated and probably overworking so i I believe my my system which is pushing a premium installation with a premium showroom and in sales and um is the way forward and and i'm able to do that with apprentices and once you talk to people and you know you say these are the warranties we're going to give you through your our installation this is what we provide um and we're installation focused and then we're not we're not trying to upsell them on products too much um we're upselling their their install so we supply all the levelers the adhesives we stock it all and i I believe we're the only shop on the coast to to do that and we own the whole process um and they just end up feeling more comfortable And, and to be honest i just forget about everybody else i just get too busy and keep doing what we're doing and that's you know, and I guess, again, that's what I see getting around is 
when companies and stores like yourself, you know, really at the end of the day, focus on what the customer needs because realistically we're the professionals, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. they trust that we're going to be delivering a professional um, installation, professional product, you know, and as you said, it, it starts from, you know, my trips over to China in sourcing those great products to then delivering to you. Um, but then ultimately it all comes down to your professional installers getting it in the home. And we've yeah. spoken about this many times on our podcast that, you know, the environment of every home is different. Um, so, you know, you'd be able to go in and check floor levels to check, you know, where the sun's coming in, you know, is there moisture in the home? And, you know, that's all part of a big process that a lot of, I guess, stores um, fail at. Yeah, because there's, we're, we're quoting for a trade. And I always say this because we're not a licensed trade that we can, um, you know, you, you don't go to Beacon Lighting and buy your lighting and then an electrician comes out of the day, you've got to go get your own electrician. So yeah. our, our, our trade is very unique and I actually want to preserve that. I want to look after that because that's what makes us different. And, and I think the, the shops that get that right in the showroom when they're talking about product knowledge and et cetera and then go to do the measure, in quote, that process there is key to getting that on the floor well with no problems. And this is why I think this is the only reason I believe that I've had some better successes because of that pure moment on the sales and measure and quote, and then to be able to deliver that to the, to the um, installer because installers are quite simple blokes. They just wanted their plan. What are they doing? What trims we're putting down and, and the good ones will just go do what they do. So. Totally, totally agree with you there. Um, so let's talk about, um, about you. Cool. What, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you enjoy? Who, who is Bobby? Um, <clears throat> I enjoy a lot of things. I'm a, I'm a mad uh, rugby league fan. I played rugby league from the age of seven um, up in Gladstone. And, yeah, I just grew up cruising around Gladstone, playing footy, hanging out with my mates, sort of, School wasn't a real priority. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, then I got into, um, once I left school, well, you know, I didn't I didn't finish school. I didn't pass school. I was just literally turning up to play for, for the school footy team. And then, um, yeah, I was just bumming around really for a few months. And then I picked up a picked up a job with, with Trevor Hall. Um, so my early life, it was just... It was just chaos, you know, especially in a, in a little town, you know, there's a lot of drinking and, and drugs and things like that. So it's, it's hard to um, aspire to anything. And that's, and that's what I was getting earlier. You know, that's why a lot of us just fall into floor laying. Um, but I've always been passionate for football, music. You know, I've always played my guitar and my piano. And, um, and then, yeah, my wife and I, we've been together since we were 19. So it was about the same time I started my apprenticeship. Uh, yeah, we just – and it was it was great. It was the first time I felt real, you know, before that time I was just sort of, you know, a nobody. I didn't know what I, what I wanted in life. So um, meeting her and we, we, we bought our first house and we started building it, building our life. So we've got two, two beautiful daughters now. Our first one just started university this year. So she's um, – 
and now we've got a yeah a 12 year old and we're just moved to the coast and now we want to start traveling now that covid's over so um yeah i've been work though has always been probably my almost outside my family my biggest focus um a lot of my mates were always out you know i used to do a lot of triathlons and i'd go do a triathlon and then go back to work that that day on the tool so i always put work first what a machine <laughs> the terminator oh there was a, there was times there but from 2010 to 2017 i was training a lot so i'd wake up at 2 30 or 3 in the morning and, and ride my pushy by myself in the dark and i was thinking you know you start questioning what you're doing with your life now i'm just comfy <laughs> now i love me sleeping in my cafes but um i was i was it wasn't a healthy dr- drive, if that makes sense. Like I was, you know, I thought I had to beat the world in, in growing up, you know, without money or anything. You know, you, you sort of had get this chip on your shoulder that you've got to prove everything to everybody. But um, in reality, I just needed to prove myself to myself that I could that I could achieve something good. So, um, and yeah, the quest is still going, man. I'm still still drive every day. I don't. I don't get up at two in the morning and train anymore, but um, yeah, life's life's been really, really good to me. And um, uh, having having my beautiful wife and kids um, always supporting, like flooring is a part of their blood now. That's that's the thing. Every time we go somewhere, my kids will look at the floor and go, "What's that, Dad? What's that?" And I'll, I'll try to pick the floor. Oh, those poor kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But, yeah. I know the feeling. I'm. I do the same. My, my family looks at me, and I'll be just daydreaming, looking at the store, like the flooring, yeah. <laughs> and looking at wall paneling, and and then yes, he, yeah. he goes, "Dad again." Yeah. Yep, he's on his tangent, and that's what I mean. Once you're in the trade, you're in it. Yeah. And um, but they, you know, flooring's been great to us. It's provided us, you know, a great life. Where we live on the Sunshine Coast, you know, we, you know, we get to go traveling, and you know, put our daughters through school. Like it's. It's it's a really good industry, and there's if you do it right, um, it's always a stressful industry because, like we were talking about before, that process from um, you know what Michael does right to the end user, it, it, it is a long drawn out process. And a lot of things can go wrong. So, but for the people that get it right and invest their time well and, and be authentic about it, will you know you get a you get a good life out of it, and that's all really we want. So. Um, knowing you and, um, you know, you obviously now the Sunshine Coast is home. Um, mm-hmm. I see that you do a lot with the community up there. Tell us a little bit about your community relationships. Yeah, mate. So we, it started when I was in Gladstone. So what I wanted to do, and I brought it down here. So we would, um, initially we started $10 off every job and then we would donate that to a, um, a charity. So for a while there we were doing the Bloom Hill um cancer care on the sunshine coast i actually started that in gladstone ten dollars and went to um a young local girl called bella she had brain cancer so bella the brave her her mother and i used to do triathlons with her so and that's how i come up with the idea and every every month we would have this you know novelty check and um whatever the ten dollars per job that we that was laid and paid um we would donate it to her and realistically it just went into the job so we weren't really paying for it you know their customers were paying for it and we would let them know that they were supporting um this so it was like i don't know what you call it donation marketing or something but it was a good way for us to be able to connect with the community and give back 
through our customers, not just us personally. Yeah. So we do it down here. We were doing it with the Bloom Hill Cancer Care, um, and then we started just doing it randomly to sporting clubs, and and um, we do a lot with the local. We spend a lot with the radio. Radio is really good to us. So now we're even a bit of a package through Redcliffe Dolphins. So we're like an affiliated sponsor through that. Um, yeah, we got a few little. We we sponsor the the golf club, the local race club. Um, yeah, so anything we can get our hands on, it's always without spending crazy amount of money. Like it's always good value. It's just got to be a. It's just got to benefit both parties, I think, not just us. But, yeah, we're always trying to – we probably give more than most, that's for sure. And I find that's one thing, you know, even with this podcast that, um, you know, I'm finding really valuable in in getting to know people within the industry, within the community. Uh, and like you said, that hole where everybody wins, you know, it's not just yep. about paying, you know, for, for advertising or paying for sponsorship. You know, you start to get into that. I guess, rhythm where it becomes a mutual agreement from both. So if both parties mm. can benefit uh, from it and network and you do start to really get involved in, in all those community um, projects. Yeah. Well, for me, when you just do normal mark, if someone come to you and put something in the paper, well, no papers anymore, but, you know, something like that, you're looking for a return almost to seeing if it was worth it. By doing this and just putting things within the community, it's almost just a way to give back with no expectation of return. So when it does come, it's it's just great. You, you're not I'm not trying to um, you know, follow follow the data to see if I'm getting my return. Um, we're putting some money into every job and then being able to distribute that through the community. And then the community thanks you. They because they, they're very community focused up here, even though it's much bigger than Gladstone, it's still got that small town feel. So they and they'll support you back if you're supporting them. So that's the main thing for me. I don't I don't follow who or how much I'm getting back from these things. I just literally put the money in, no expectation return, and um and I feel I feel really happy that I'm in a position to to do that. So those people from the football clubs or the the um, turf club, they always come in and they say, "Hey, I'm from the turf club," and I'm like, "Thank you know." So it, it's um they really appreciate it, and, and so do we. I think that then extends, you know, another. It's another form of of marketing um, that you would hope that they're obviously when they're needing flooring or, you know, they've got clients sort of in that sort of need that you know you're sharing that work amongst you know local community members. Yeah, definitely. I've just done a big quote here for a local club, um, and it was because someone on the board we had we had done their job and then they mentioned our name and then the other board member said oh they did my neighbor's job and that's how we got now quoting on a, on a, on a quite s- substantial job here on the coast in a, in a local club so um just by doing good work and you can't do it unless what we spoke about earlier with the installers and your showroom and your service or because it will come back to you eventually i think we all get a little too wound up on making money that day off that person without really giving you know thinking long term so um we always think long term and and yeah it starts coming back so our name i can't believe how because there's a lot of shops on the coast i'm not sure how many but um we've made a big name for ourselves within the four years we've been here Um, and i didn't expect it to be honest i just thought i'd cruise down from gladstone sneak under the radar and just do my thing but um obviously the, the 
Sunny Coast was yearning for for this sort of service or this sort of um, and we're not perfect. We make mistakes, and every time we do, we we try to learn off it and and um, put another process in, another process that I personally <laughs> never seem to follow, but my staff do. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's business, that's business ownership one hundred and one right there. Yeah, yeah. A true, yeah, a true yeah. leader, do as I say, <laughs> yeah. not as I do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I know I, I, I'm. I'm aware of that. My wife's very process driven. She's very good. She writes up all the processes and implements them. And I'm, mate, she calls me, I live in fairyland. I just walk around. Um, I get things done my own way, but it's it's a different sort of style. So you've got uh, you got two locations on the Sunshine Coast. Yep. And yep. so tell us a little bit you know, about, about where these two locations are. And um you do a little bit of um, retail, uh, sorry, residential and commercial. Yep. So we do our first. Obviously, our, our major store is in Britannia, in the Homemaker Centre there, uh, with Bunnings and Anaconda, um, near the near the Sunshine Coast Hospital, and that's our big um, flagship store. You know, that's we don't have a warehouse attached to that. Um, so our warehouse now is over in Kaluan and in Fisherman's Road, which is a back area. And um, there were just the front of the house, the front of the building come available. So we took it as a showroom because it really wasn't costing us anymore. And so it's just a good place. It's a big, big, big area. And that's where our installers go out every morning. So it's good to have an admin there. Like It's like our hub. And plus, we've just tacked on this little showroom. So it does give you that more of that warehouse feel. Like I was saying before, it's, it's, not, um, it's not there to compete with our big showroom. But... In saying that, a lot of our northern Sunshine Coast customers, it's easy for them to drop into that showroom, pick up a sample or drop it off. And that might be more targeted towards, you know, some builders and, and things like that. But we, we're predominantly, I, I call ourselves medium to high-end retail shop, that's for sure. So renovations, somewhere where you can come in, Mrs. Jones doesn't really know what she wants. We can help her, um, ask her the right questions and, and deliver that. Um and me, myself being an ex-commercial layer, like I gravitate towards that. So, but we sort of want to just do discretionary commercial work. We're not a tender house. We don't go tendering. Um, I've really found my lane or what what we, works for us. So um, trying not to, because sometimes people get, you know, glossy-eyed over these big revenue jobs, but they don't realise what it takes to deliver them. And um, I look at, you know, how we function as a business and I think is it worth it um, and it's just taking away because when you put the energy into that, you are taking away from your core business. So providing I'm never taken away from my core business, I'll, I'll look at everything but I do, I'm not as uh, big a risk taker as I used to be, that's for sure. So um, yeah, no, definitely medium to high end retail would be our 70% of our work easily. So mate, what's the future? Up there on the sunny coast, like where, where to next? Because you seem to be, you've got quite a foothold yeah. at the moment. You know, you yeah, got your claws into know. the community, you're giving back, and you've got two premises. And you know, what's next? I don't know because that's a really good question, actually. Because I always, my wife asks me that, "What are you going to do?" Because I've always, I enjoy the growth mode. So, so if I was to go open another shop now, nothing excites me more than that. Nothing excites me more than. Um, no one knowing you, you just build something and just it takes a good two, three years to really establish yourself. And that and that just comes down to a work ethic. If someone has that work ethic, they can really 
and I know I do, and I don't do 100-hour weeks anymore, but if that if an opportunity come up and I had to leave town and go start it somewhere, nothing would excite me more. So right now, I'm almost to a maintenance stage. Like I'm just, I want to be able to, we've got, we've made our mistakes, we've made our, you know, what works for us, what doesn't. We've got our processes, we've got great staff. So for now, it's just maintaining all that because everyone keeps saying, you know, things might slow down. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about that. I'm just making sure that we're taking opportunities everywhere we go. You know, there was always a, uh, a maybe a store in Noosa. However, we, we do service Noosa in the, the core business, which is retail um, designers and in high-end retail. So I don't, I don't necessarily need to think to put a showroom in Noosa at the minute. Because you're, you're still 40 minutes from Noosa, aren't you, where you are? Yeah. 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 We, we, service, we service, you know, anywhere from, you know, just south of Clown to right up to Gympie. There's, n- there's no other flooring extra from here to Gladstone. Okay, wow. That's so a that, nice That's footprint. a big hole in the market, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so you never know. I might pop up in Harvey Bay or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to have your holiday home, right? you got to have a place yeah. you can go. And, right. yeah, and the yeah. whales are migrating. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's you right. You've got to be on the ground floor. But I yeah, think that's also important. Um, you know, I know I'm a – a very driven person like yourself and you know new things always excite people like us but i think there's yeah. a point that you get to in your business that you realize i think or i personally you sort of realize you know what i've actually i need a break well not a break but i, I just need to keep this thing rolling now like I, i've hit yeah. those dreams and then reset because sometimes just going on the same path over and over again um, becomes a bit monotonous and I think you then lose your focus a little bit because you're on this same dream where um, it was good to hear you sort of say there you, you're just sort of in that period now of making sure you're ticking all the small boxes and I think you know a lot of the journey for me especially was to get to this point there's a lot of little things that you know now looking back you could do better and I think there's a, a point in your business, you go, okay, now I just want to focus on the little things and not so yeah. much the big things and let everything else catch up to you. <clears throat> yeah, because if you only focus on big things and taking on more work that you can't service and you can't you know, get on the floor in, in your way, um, <clears throat> you're just going to lose money. So what's the really point? You can actually make more money by doing a third less revenue. So, And once you work that out, which took me a little bit, but it, once I started working out, you know, sitting up all night doing quotes, which sometimes is needed, um, you start making mistakes and then those mistakes are costly. So you're putting all this time, putting all this pain, this extra tax and all this sort of thing, but you're, you're not actually making any more profit. So you want to hit that sweet spot. And um, I think we're in the sweet spot now. So we're just going to continue to do what we do and get that sort of word of mouth and that local community feel and always be installation focused. So um, sometimes I've got to have hard conversations with installers and, and cut them because they're just not performing and um, and hopefully they didn't do any damage. But that's always going to take a paramount in in our store, that's for sure. Yeah, well, customers first, right? That's what it's all about. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, mate, I reckon that's a great place to leave it. I think that uh, if anyone up on the sunny coast is looking for an installation first, customer-focused flooring business, well, Look no further than Bobby at the Homemaker Centre at Britannia there. 
uh, just near the Sunshine Coast Hospital. I know exactly where it is, near the uh, near the sports fields there, near the Kiwana Sports Centre. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. No, go up there for Oztag every year. Yeah, that's yeah. Go. one of the one of the one of the ring-ins into the area. <laughs> but uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having having you on. And next time we get you on, we're going to talk more about your music. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I might spark up the uh, loop loop station for you. Oh mate, you, you, had, me, <laughs> you had me at a low. Yeah, no worries, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Thanks for coming on the underlay. And people, we'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, Cheers, it's Michael. always a pleasure. Yeah. Yes, okay, mate. guys. Bye for now. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Underlay. If you want to hear more, follow us on all good podcast platforms.